Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Saint-Esprit et se mirent à parler en d'autres langues, selon que l'Esprit leur donnait de s'exprimer. 
وعندما جاء عيد يوم الخميس كانوا كلهم مجتمعين When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the day of Pentecost has come. I want to thank our foreign language readers, Colin McElroy in Arabic, Ula Booth in German, Julia Bailey in French, Byron Zadel in Polish, Chong Lee in Korean, Renjin Tu in Chinese, Samuel Coffin in Russian. Those who are able are invited to stand. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth as we sing our opening hymn of praise.
Please be seated. Many of us know these familiar words from John's Gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is why he came to redeem us. And so he can confess our sins without fear, but with sorrow. Let us pray. O oh God, we have built cities for ourselves. We have sought fame and fortune. We have rushed through our days with unseeing eyes, stopped up ears, and dulled emotions. We are more often enslaved by our fears than freed by your grace. We demand proof of your existence, but ignore the work of your hands. We reject Jesus Christ as an impractical visionary. Your Holy Spirit is unreal to us because we insist on being in charge. Have mercy on us, holy God, and save us from ourselves. Hear these words from the prophet Jeremiah. This is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel, with my people, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it upon their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I will forgive their deeds, and I will remember their sin no more. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Well, I have a little song for you this morning that my kids taught me. And the song goes like this. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. So that song right there leads me into one of the lessons that we have today from Jeremiah. Jeremiah told the people of 
of Jude, Judah and Jerusalem to listen to God, to trust and obey him. Do you think the people listened? No, they didn't listen. And do you know what happened to them? They got sent away to Babylon for 70 years. It's a city. It's another city that got really, really bad for these people. But God said, you're going to have to go there. You're going to have to stay there, so you might, might as well make the most of it. So they had to grow, grow their families there. They had to learn how to garden there in some pretty not ideal conditions. Well, then after those 70 years, they could come back to Jerusalem, but only if they would pray to God and they would obey him, they could go back and God would listen to them and he wouldn't do anything bad to them anymore. So if we trust and obey in God, then he will listen to us. Now I have a little Bible verse that goes with this that I want y'all to kind of keep inside your heart today. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's from Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Let's pray in 3, 2, 1. <laughs> that was quick. Lord, thank you for this special day of Pentecost. Help us to ask the Holy Spirit to come and live in our hearts so that we can trust and obey in you. Amen. Our first lesson today comes from Jeremiah's prophecies, in chapter, beginning in chapter 29 with verse 4. Listen now to the word of God. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, 
Only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me, if you seek me with all of your heart. I will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Once again, those who are able are invited to stand out of respect and honor to God's living word as we read our second lessons this morning, turning to the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke in the 24th chapter. You just heard from the book of Jeremiah from the words of the prophet that the Lord would bring his people back to Jerusalem, and that is where we find them in this portion of Luke's Gospel and at the beginning of the book of Acts. God has collected his people back in the holy city of Jerusalem, but they're not going to be there long. For it is from Jerusalem that they will be sent to the ends of the earth, but not until they have received the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen for God's word speak to your life today. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses the prophets, and the psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is, be, is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord. And turning to the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, also written by the author of the Gospel of Luke, 
And it's kind of a reiteration of the ending of Luke as we read here beginning with the sixth verse at the beginning of Acts. Listen to God's word. So when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up in a cloud, took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, whom has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Here's the sermon I want to preach. I'm going to give it to you in capsule form at the beginning. So if you should check out or change the channel, you will have at least received the gist of what I believe it is that the living God would have us here today. Basically, what I want to say is, and what I'm going to say is, and what I want you to hear is, the church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is the people. I am the church. You. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus, all around the world, yes, we're the church together. That's the first thing. The second thing that I want to say today is that the Holy Spirit that empowers the church is the pebble of God dropped into the pond of your life. The Spirit of God is the pebble that is dropped into the pond of your life. The rings go out. And then finally, this Holy Spirit, this gift, this injection of the Spirit of God into your life, into your heart, is a spirit of power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power of the Holy Spirit that is imparted to His followers. And it is a spirit of love of which there is no greater power. Have you ever visited Europe and seen in some of those great cities the old shells of buildings, cathedrals that once were thriving churches in a former life? Have you been to England, Scotland and seen the same? Maybe you've been in parts of our own country, the Northeast, for example, where great churches have become apartments 
condominiums, cafes, museums, or just empty anachronistic shells on the skylines of some of our own cities. Why has this happened? What has brought this about? Well, we could point to changing demographics or population shifts or economies or blame it on a recession or even a depression. And all of these may have some bearing, but could it be that these churches lost sight of their calling? Not the buildings per se, but the community that is the church, the body of Christ, worshiping, living, learning, growing, serving in those places, forgot their reason for being. Yes, they still believed in God the Creator. Yes, they still believed in the Son crucified and risen. But could it be that they neglected the third person of the Trinity? Could it be that they have forgotten the presence and the power, the gift of the Holy Spirit? Today is Pentecost. And I want us to think about and to focus on this gift of the Holy Spirit that was given to God's people, given to birth the New Testament church that we read about. Yes, it's true that Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And I think most of the time we in our theology and our doctrine, we understand that when you see God, you see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you see God. And Jesus is God and God is Jesus. They are one entity part and separate and in the same. But sometimes maybe it is that we take this Trinitarian formula of this God that we know and serve, a God that is three in one and one in three, and we get things a little out of kilter. We say, well, there's God who's number one position, and there's, there's Jesus, number two position, junior God, Reminds me of a former church in which I served, and on one particular evening at home, I got a phone call from that member, a lovely lady who had grown up a Presbyterian her entire life, and she wanted to take this preacher to task a little bit. There's a still a little meat left on the bone, so she had to chew on me some, and one of the bones that she wanted to pick with me was this. Why do you talk about Jesus so much? I thought to myself, I thought that's who I was supposed to be talking about. I thought that it was Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Savior, that made us Christian. He said, the church that I grew up in, we just talked about God, but there's all this talk about Jesus. I kind of wore it as a badge of honor. As I've grown in my ministry and even in my own faith, I would hope that somebody might take me to task today for saying, why do you talk about the Holy Spirit so much? How come you pray to the Spirit? How come you pray for the Spirit? How come you, what's all this talk about the Holy Spirit? What are we, Pentecostals? But I think many times we will neglect the Trinity of God to the detriment of the Holy Spirit, God's living presence that makes us alive in God and empowers us, that gives us our life. In the Old Testament, the word for spirit is ruach, which means breath. Jesus said, as he breathed on them, receive the Holy Spirit. We're not just sucking oxygen. 
We are breathing in the living presence of the Creator God, Jesus Christ. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, says Paul. Or in the New Testament, the, the, the dynamos, the, the dynamite, the power of God is how it is described. Jesus said, I am going to the Father, but I am not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you orphaned, my friends. For the Father will send upon you and in you the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of power, Spirit of life. Wait. Stay together. Stay in Jerusalem until you are clothed with this power from on high. And then starting in Jerusalem, starting right where you are, right where I have placed you, you will go and you will be my disciples in all the earth. You will be sent to every corner of the world. You will be my witnesses. On the cover of the bulletin, Pastor Barry Howard writes, this is a quote from the Christian Century, he says that the story of Pentecost marks, marks the inauguration of the church, the New Testament church, and launches the globalization of the Christian faith. We cannot recreate Pentecost, and we're not trying to recreate Pentecost today. But he goes on to say, God is always seeking to do a new thing and the Holy Spirit is pressing us to creativity and innovation and persistence by the gift of His Spirit. No, we're not trying to recreate Pentecost by having people speaking in different languages, a cacophony of voices. But we are here to remember, not recreate to remember what it is that Jesus promised to His disciples. What He promised to those 120 men and women who gathered in that upper room, who stayed together, elected a new apostle, who worshipped, who prayed, who hoped, who dreamed, who ate, who were probably a little scared, a little confused, a little excited, a little maybe doubtful about what indeed was going to happen and when, but they were obedient. Maybe they felt okay to face the unknown because they were together. They were drawn in to close fellowship. They were protected. They were in a familiar place, the upper room where Jesus had broken the bread and eaten the last supper with His disciples saying, this is my body that's broken. And where Jesus poured out the cup and said, this is my blood that is shed for you. A familiar place where they were together, where they were safe in the midst of that big city that had crucified their Savior not but a few weeks before. Safe. And you can't blame them. You can't blame them for feeling collected in that familiar and safe place, but all that was about to change. Or it was on the day of Pentecost when they were all together in that one place worshiping and praying together that it happened. And the Spirit did fall upon the church and it was manifested in the sound of a mighty wind, like a tornado inside the room where they found themselves. And it manifested itself in fire. 
and the gift of tongues so that they could speak in different languages. Yes, they were safe, but they were safe in a womb. Yes, they were safe and tight, but it was a cocoon. And for it is from that place that they would be launched into the world. Can you only imagine that being in a place with wind and fire and people saying things in different lines? I wouldn't want to stay in that room for very long. And they headed for the exits, launched into the world, each with a gift as they went out. The gift of power and boldness. The gift of speech with a story to tell. A gift of love that manifested itself in compassion and selflessness and generosity and hospitality. And on Pentecost we celebrate this same Holy Spirit that was not only given to those followers but to us today. Because upon our lives is the same call and the same charge to start in the city where God has placed us. And from this location to go into all the world. At Pentecost, a tight, fearful, loyal, faithful, expectant circle was blown open by the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. What happened? What happened then? Well, they went out telling the mighty acts of God through the gift of those languages. And some people were a little skeptical and reluctant of what was going on. And they saw all the commotion and they heard all the noise and saw all the activity and they said, these folks are drunk. They're intoxicated. They're out of their heads. They're out of their minds. And you know when the Holy Spirit falls upon you and you become filled with a power and a joy that you can't contain, other people may say the same about us. But Peter stepped in at that point and he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not intoxication. They're not filled with new wine. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. If you're going to say we're drunk, at least wait until happy hour to accuse us of that. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. But Peter went on to say, this is what the prophet Joel said would happen. For the Lord said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people, young and old. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old folks, your senior citizens are going to dream dreams that they haven't dreamt in a long time. And I'll pour out my spirit on men and on women, on maids and men servants. And people are going to see signs and marvels in the heavens above and on the earth below. And all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. And Peter goes on to tell them of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that even King David, their golden boy, prophesied of the coming of this living Messiah. And Peter ends his first sermon. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. It is this Peter who stands up and delivers the first sermon of the New Testament church. And he ends the sermon by saying, the one killed on the cross, the one resurrected from the dead, is Master and Messiah. And the people responded to his sermon and they said, then what are we supposed to do in light of all of this? And Peter said, turn and be baptized. Change your life. Surrender your will to God's will. Repent and believe and receive the Holy Spirit, 
which is for you, and not only for you, but for your children and all who are close by and all who are far away, whomever God invites to join this party. And on that day, how many do you think accepted the invitation to join that festive gathering? Not 1,000, not 2,000, but 3,000 were baptized, accepted the invitation, and committed to a life together in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, to a life together, to meals, to prayer. And everyone was in awe, Acts goes on to tell us in the second chapter, because there were miracles that kept appearing in their midst. There were things that they could not explain. There were lives that were being changed. And among them, there was a harmony. They all got along. They were of one mind. And they loved each other. And the people who had not accepted the invitation looked at what was going on in this community. And they said, see how they love one another. How can I get some of that? We are called to do and to be the same. And it is no different than the call that was upon God's people when they found themselves in a strange and foreign place in exile in Babylon. In the Old Testament, in the 29th chapter of Jeremiah that we read for our first lesson, it is there in that same city, in, in, in that same setting, that Israel, the nation that had been destroyed by the Babylonian Empire, and, 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 and their people, many of them had been sent into exile to live in that foreign land in Babylon. We're called to do just the same. Tim Keller in his book, King's Cross, speaks of this fact from Jeremiah 29. When he says, what was their attitude supposed to be toward Babylonian society in which they were exiles? They could have tried to just keep to themselves and to have nothing to do with it. Or they could have tried to infiltrate Babylon with guerrilla tactics to take power. But what did, Jesus, what did God say to them? In Jeremiah 29, 7, God said, Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper. This is what I want you to seek, the prosperity of Babylon. I want you to make it a great city to live in. I want you to serve your neighbors, even though their language is different and they don't believe what you believe. And, and I don't want you to do this merely out of a sense of duty. Pray for it is another way to say love it. Love that city. Pray for it. Seek to make it a prosperous, peaceful city. The greatest place to live. If Babylon prospers through your service to it, you prosper. For you, God says, Keller goes on, for you, the route to gaining influence is not taking power. Influence is gained through power and control that is gained that way does not really change society. It doesn't change hearts. Change hearts. I'm calling to you to a totally different approach. So be sacrificially loving to the people around you who don't believe what you believe. And soon you will be unable to imagine the place without you and they will be doing the same. They'll trust you because they see that you're not only out for yourself, but out for them too. 
Keller goes on to say that this model of living sacrificially and in community and in relationship and in hospitality is like unto Jesus Christ Himself. Seek the welfare of the city in which I have placed you, for by its welfare you will find your own welfare. Make it a great place to live, the best place to live. John Calvin caught this vision. We know of John Calvin and his life and his ministry in Geneva, Switzerland, where he spent the bulk of his days, that he sought to make it, as he called it, the city of heaven. John Calvin wanted Geneva, Switzerland, to be as much like heaven as he could possibly make it through the power of the Holy Spirit. A place where people lived in peace, where people lived in love, where people knew justice. My friends, we are called to do the same, to seek the welfare of this city in which we have been called to live and to work, to worship and to pray and to serve. To see the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. It's done through the power of love that we know in the living presence of Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. And love is nothing for us to hoard or to protect. Yes, love is a precious commodity, but it is nothing for us to hoard or to protect. Because the truth of the matter is, and listen to me carefully here, please. The truth of the matter is, the more you love, the more you love. Love is an infinite commodity. Love is of God and God is love and we cannot out-love God. And the more we share love, the more we experience love and the more love God gives us to share. Some of us may have grown up in homes where we were not taught that way. That maybe we feared that our parents' love was something finite and if they gave more to our sister or to our brother than to us, that we, there, there would be less to go around. And so we, we, we worked harder, we tried harder to earn the love of a parent or someone in our life. Afraid that someone else was being loved more and there was not enough for us. Or maybe we acted out in such a way to get at least negative attention that maybe they would show me that they loved me by rescuing me from that place to show me that they love me. But my friends, love does not operate in that way. It is an infinite commodity. And the more we love, the more we love. And there is no greater power in the world. Love is like that Holy Spirit that is dropped into our lives that pebble in the pond of our lives. And when it hits the mirrored top of the water, the ripples go out to friend, to family.
family, to acquaintance, to stranger, to enemy, to unknown. And it keeps expanding. There's no end. The Holy Spirit that God places into our lives is like that pebble dropped into the pond of our lives. And we are called to be those who go out into the world as those who are transformed and being transformed to see this world around us transformed. We are called to go beyond the walls of the church building and to be the church in uptown Columbus. And what a marvelous thing God is doing in our midst through Columbus State University and what is happening right in the neighborhood, right outside of our doors and Whitewater and Riverwalk and running groups and market days. And we can go on and on at how God is at work right here in our midst. And we have been empowered by the love of God and we have been given gifts to go into those places where we find ourselves Monday through Saturday in our work and in our play to speak the language that God has given us to speak. Because some of you can speak law. Some of you can speak a language in a legal way to other lawyers or people in that field. Some of you can speak techno-geek. And you can have conversations about computers and technology and nobody else around you knows what you're saying. Some of you can speak medicine in medical terms. Some of you can speak in real estate language. Some of you can speak in other languages. Some of you know about gardening or sewing or making soap or canning or sports or whatever it is. And that is the language that the Spirit gives you to connect with another life to share with them your life in Christ. I want our church so much not to be an anachronistic fortress or a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. I want our church to be an outpost for the kingdom or an organic and vital and growing and sending community for the salvation of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what we are called to do and to be. It will cause us to get out of our comfort zones. It will cause us to know what it means not just to be friendly, but to be hospitable. And there's a difference between that. Stan Ott, in his book, Twelve Dynamic Shifts for Transforming Your Church, writes about one of those shifts from friendliness to hospitality. He says that friendliness is this. Friendliness is seeing somebody in the hall and saying, Hi Stan, how are things going for you and the kids? How's the car? How's the cat? Well, I have to be going. It was nice talking to you. Maybe I'll see you next week. That's friendliness, being warm, social, and pleasant. A lot of our churches are friendly today. But he pushes to hospitality and says, on the other hand, hospitality is very different. Hospitality says, come into my life. Let's do something together. Come over to my house. Attend this event with me. Join me for a cup of coffee. In church ministry, hospitality says, come with me into my group of fellowship. And it may mean, come on over to my home. We're going to grab a bite to eat. Come with us. Be with us. 
And then he tells the story that once he met a group of elders in a rural church that was talking about the, the issues of church vitality. And he suggested to them this difference between friendliness and hospitality. And afterward, he was walking to his car. And one of the elders, a woman, came up to him and she said, uh, Dr. Ott, I'd like to speak with you. You see, I am part of a group of couples in our church. And there are four of us. And every year we go to Colorado skiing. And are you saying that I should invite a new couple in our church to join us in Colorado? Because we're really a pretty tight-knit group. And Stan Ott replied and said, I can't tell you whether or not you should invite that couple to go skiing in Colorado with you. But I will tell you that unless you invite them into your lives and weave them into the fabric of your community and your relationships, they will leave your church. And sadly enough, Stan Ott goes on to write that six months later he inquired about that church and that couple and they were no longer attending there. We are called to be hospitable, to give up ourselves and to love one another in the manner that Jesus Christ has loved us, to put away fear and to live into faith. Martin Luther King Jr. says this, one of my favorite quotes from this freedom fighter. He says, to our most bitter opponents we say, throw us in jail and we will still love you. Bomb our houses and, and, and threaten our children and we will still love you. Beat us and leave us half dead, but we will still love you. Be ye assured that we will wear you down by our love. And one day we will so appeal to your heart and conscience that we will win you over. And in the process of our victory, we will have a double victory. Seek the welfare of the city in which I have placed you, for in its welfare you will find your own. As others are saved, we find we ourselves saved as well. On this Pentecost, let us go as the people of the Spirit of God into the world, empowered by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, changed by the Spirit, to seek and celebrate these double victories that are ours in Christ Jesus. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us stand and say what we believe using the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let us pray. O God of all creation, on this day of Pentecost, we praise you for the wondrous ways in which your spirit moves in our lives, bringing new life, forgiveness, resurrection, and hope.
We thank you that you never give up on our becoming your faithful people and that you choose us to be instruments of your healing love in this broken world. Make us worthy of your investment and effective in pursuing your purposes. Guide us with your spirit. We confess to you that sometimes our hearts are hardened, our eyes blind, and our spirits numb to the change you seek in and among us and our communities. May your spirit move us, guide our efforts toward justice and peace, guide us with your spirit. We pray for those burdened by the lack of employment, food, money, or a place to call home. Strengthen and heal those who are ill or recovering from surgery. Nurture a deep desire to embrace life in all who may be depressed or lonely. Lighten the stress for those who are overworked. Deepen our trust that you love us fully so that we do not seek to validate ourselves in others' eyes. Guide us with your spirit. All this we pray in confidence that you know our needs even better than we and desire even more for us than we can imagine. Hear us now as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We'd like to welcome you, uh, those of you who are worshiping with us here this morning, either here in the sanctuary at Spring Harbor or via television. I'd like to invite those who are seated in the sanctuary to sign the welcome pads that are located at the end of your aisles and pass those along to those seated next to you. While we're passing those along, I'd like to highlight a few of the announcements. If you have not yet given to our Mother's Day offering for Presbyterian Homes, we are still receiving those offerings. Through matching gifts, your donation will be tripled in support of this important ministry. So we invite you to consider giving to this, this offering. If you are interested in joining fellow members and visitors for lunch following this service, we invite you to gather down front here in front of the communion table for a time of, um, for lunch and fellowship and fun. This summer we are starting some four by four supper clubs. They will meet throughout the summer. This is a great opportunity for fellowship with others over a meal. More information is in our bulletin, but the basic idea is that groups of eight will gather together for four separate meals throughout the summer at a time of your choosing and at a place of your choosing. This is open for couples and singles as well. So there's more information in your bulletin on that. Vacation Bible School and Music Camp are quickly approaching. VBS will be held June 10th through June 14th and Music Camp June 17th through 21st. We invite you to register your children and sign up to help. There's more information on that on our website and in our bulletin as well. There is a prospective new member lunch that will be held today following this service in the parlor, and we invite you to attend that. I'd also like to say thank you to David, Branson, and Sylvia for sharing their musical gifts with us this morning to the glory of God by playing our prelude. They are music students at the Schwab School of Music, and they're involved at the Abbey, so thank you for their, for their talents. Let us now continue to worship God through the presentation of our tithes and our offerings.
Spirit of fire, who came as a rushing wind, breathing life and hope into dry bones and cold hearts, breathe life into these our gifts and our offerings. May they be used to your glory to transform lives and to advance the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, people of the Spirit, go in peace and in joy and in that power to love and serve the Lord today and all your days, wherever God may send you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.